0: This is episode 402 of the AWS Podcast. Released on October 27, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS Podcast.
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Some you're here with you. Great to have you back and we're talking about what's new with Well Architected. AWS Well Architected, that is. And I'm joined by Seth Elliott, who is a principal reliability solutions architect here at AWS. Welcome to the podcast, Seth.
0: Thank you, Simon. Good to be here.
1: Good to have you here. Now Tell us what you've been doing to get to this point in your career. To talk to us about reliability—that's
0: <laughs> a long conversation. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I guess I like could yeah, just give us the thirty-second version of the last yeah, X I, years. Start with the uh, end and work backwards. That's we're, we're good. We're good at doing that at Amazon. So yeah. So like as I as you said, I'm the principal uh, solutions architect for reliability with Well Architected. But uh, I spent most of my nine years, eight of my nine years at Amazon on what they call the consumer side or retail side—the side that you buy stuff from. on on a website, working on the systems there across different teams. Most recently, uh, I was the solutions architect for a program called Nebula. So I was an AWS solutions architect, but not working for AWS, working for the consumer side. And I was traveling around the world, working with engineers, building Amazon.com systems, working with them on how they use AWS to implement all the systems that you buy all that cool stuff on. So that was a great job for me. And I learned a lot and got to talk to a lot of people. But as I said, I've been with uh, Amazon for about Ah, uh, nine years total. So before that, I was with Amazon Fresh, which is grocery delivery, international technology. Uh, but years ago, I was on the founding team for what's now known as Amazon Video.
1: Wow, back, 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 back in the, in the day. day. So, so based on all that experience, um, you, you know everything there is to know about reliability, and everything you build is reliable. That'd That's right. Fun. I
0: have the answer to <laughs> everything. But <laughs> the everything. But it's all, it's all right here in the in this white paper. Let me show it to you. No. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, seriously, that's a cool thing about my job. And the nice thing about my job, I don't know everything, obviously. Sure, I have a lot of experience and I've learned a lot from working at Amazon, just just from learning about the practices and processes here at Amazon. I picked up a lot of great best practices for reliability. But, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants, really. So I have a, a, a great SME, subject matter expert community here in, at Amazon within AWS and including folks from the uh, consumer side that, that help contribute content and review content, uh, I have, you know, I'm looking at not just I'm looking at years of practices that have been promoted across the industry and trying to find the best of the best and bring it bring it to folks in these white papers in this reliability content. So so I see, I see myself as sort of a curator in a way. My job is to gather together this information, combine it with my own experience and teach others. And a nice side effect of that is I tend to learn a lot that way. This is true. None of
1: us know everything, but we know a bit about stuff, and it's always nice to share it with others and they share it's it It's about with knowing how to find. So tell stuff. us a Sorry bit. Man, a... I didn't
0: mean to step on you, but it's it's about knowing yeah. how to find stuff. No, no, it's go about right knowing, be, Being humble enough to ask, uh, and 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 knowing the right people yep. to ask of, and so no, it's been a really both humbling but also uh, growth uh, experience.
1: For sure, for sure. Now, tell us about the reliability
0: pillar. What does it come Sure, yeah. So um, the reliability pillar is one of the five pillars of AWS Well-Architected. And reliability is basically, is your workload running as you expect it to, when you expect it to? It's as simple as that. That's reliability. And one of the key contributors of reliability is something called resilience. And resiliency is basically, is your workload withstanding the rigors of production, the turbulent uh, sea of production. So like when errors happened disruptions happen does it mitigate them does it recover from them when you see surges in demand or even uh, demand going down does your system respond does your workload respond to these and that's resiliency and that's a major contributor to reliability and therefore it's one of the m- main focuses of the reliability pillar and and just to round this out uh people often talk about availability i can't you know, i'd be negligent not to mention the, the term availability and availability is just simply the way we measure our reliability you know folks know it as the nines like i have 4 nine's reliability. That means that my workload is available 99.99% of the time. And, And taking all these terms together, what the reliability pillar is about is providing a set of definitions, but also a set of best practices. That's really the core of it is a set of best practices that you can implement on your workloads today that are running on AWS to improve your reliability.
1: And that reliability is so important because what we're trying to do is make sure that systems are available no matter what happens you know i think this is this is not about assuming steady state is it it's about assuming the 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 unexpected, be it changes of demand, disruptions, etc. We need to be ready for for those things, not just when everything's working perfectly. Exactly.
0: What is it that uh, Werner Vogels, our CTO, says? He says, everything fails all the time. And he's right. So if you go down to the data center level, level, there's hard drives failing, there's CPUs failing all the time in every data center. Nobody has a data center where this is not happening. And the nice thing about AWS is you're insulated from a lot of that. Like those hard drive failures, CPU failures, you don't even notice them. They're abstracted away. But there are failures that will percolate up through the system and you might notice some activity happening on your EC2 instances or uh, in, in some aspect of what you're working on. Again, every cloud provider has this happen. And the question is when that happens, when you get this like big surge in traffic or there, uh, something percolates up, uh, how does your system respond to it?
1: So one of the things I love about the Well-Architected Framework is that it it changes and iterates all the time based upon current best practices and what we learn and what we see from customers, et cetera, from a, from a reliability pillar perspective, what is, what's the biggest changes that have, that have taken place? Yeah, we just
0: released a V8 where I don't think we versioned them publicly. So you don't have, you know, the, our listeners don't have any way to see that's V8. We just released a new version internally, we call it V8 in July. And that was the first version I got to work on. I've been on this team for about a year. So I'm really proud of this and happy to be able to contribute to it. And one thing I did is we reorganized the white paper. So, so Just to back up a little, the reliability pillar consists of this white paper. As I said, that contains all these best practices. But also we have something called the well-architected review. And the well-architected review is something you can do in the well-architected tool, and you can take a workload of yours in in AWS and go through this review and see which best practices are you doing and not doing. You can check off the little boxes and we'll tell you, okay, these are the best practices, these are why you should be doing them. And at the end of it, these are the ones you're not doing, and here's why you should consider doing them. It's called a well-architected review. So one of the Things I did was take the pillar white paper and reorganize it so it more closely aligns with the questions and best practices used for the well-architected review. This had a, a couple of really nice, uh, nice outcomes. One is if you're doing a well-architected review and you really want to dig deeper into what the, deeper than the tool tells you, you could easily look up in the white paper that best practice and learn more about it. But the other thing that emerged was I found there were some best practices talked about in the white paper that were not in the review, and I think there might even be a couple that were in the review and not in the white paper. So I was able to carry those over and add uh, best practices into our well-architected review so that now what you read about in the white paper is the same as what you do in the review. So for example, there were a lot of best practices around software. We call this uh, workload architecture in the review, but around software designed for reliability, such as you know making your services stateless, implementing throttling, controlling retries, fail fast. All that was talked about in the white paper, but you had no way to review your workload against those best practices. But now you do, because we've added that whole section on that.
1: So it makes it more more complete than ever more before. More complete
0: and more consistent.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so when you're thinking about designing an infrastructure in AWS, what are some of the the real focus areas that you when you talk to customers or you see customers be successful? Sure. What are they doing to be
0: successful? Yeah, I mean when, when you think about reliability, I mean I, there's it's a white paper full of best practices, right? So it's all there. But but when you think about it, taking it a step higher, a level higher, what what are we really aiming for? A lot of it comes down to deploying redundant resources to fault-isolated locations. And when you think of fault-isolated locations in AWS, you should naturally be thinking about availability zones. And for folks that don't know, availability zones, uh, we have multiple availability zones per AWS region. When you're in an AWS region, you're going to have multiple availability zones there. And availability zones are fault-isolated boundaries. So that if you deploy something to one availability zone and and something happens, a fault occurs there, it's guaranteed not to cross over into another availability zone. So they're fault-isolated. But At the same time, they're connected to each other through ultra-low latency links. So you could deploy across multiple availability zones and treat it as a single logical data center. So it gives you a really nice way to be uh, redundant and in fault-isolated locations at the same time. So that's that's your number one go-to. But we've expanded upon that in the white paper. We start off talking about availability zones, but we also talk about you might want to be in multiple AWS regions. I actually think that most workload needs, uh, most reliability needs can be met in a single region using multiple availability zones, but there are some reasons why some workloads need to be in multiple regions, and we talk about that. And then we go further, we talk about, let's say you want to be in AWS, you want a hybrid architecture, partially in AWS, partially on-prem. We talk about AWS Outposts, which is a way to take AWS services and put them on your premises. Finally, the other thing we talk about there is our global edge network. So when people think about AWS, they say, okay, you have 24 regions, you're building Three more regions. You have regions all around the world, but we have over 200 of these points of presence on our edge network, and that gives you another way to be in redundant regions because the edge network is your is your on ramp onto the AWS network. So you could uh, set up your API gateways or your CloudFront, you know, basically the, the the front doors of your services in these over 200 edge locations, and get that kind of get that redundancy from that. I know I'm getting a little long here, but so just, you know, again, just building on this whole being uh, redundant and being in multiple locations, we, we expanded on our disaster recovery section, which is about when things go majorly wrong and how and give the various strategies you can use to have uh, your infrastructure in one region and maybe back up to another. Everything that you could back up to another region, that's sort of your, your simplest strategy, or you can maintain these multi, these uh, active, active infrastructures where you're running out of two regions, which I said is only applicable in some cases to get the you know, the maximum uh, disaster recovery, uh, lowest time to recovery. I feel like I'm rambling here. <laughs> so I'll let you ask the next question.
1: <laughs> well, I, th- I think one of the the other, the other biggest things was the the software architecture level. You added some, some really interesting new bulkhead architecture. So maybe let's spend a moment in that because I think it's, it, it's interesting. Often when we talk about resilience, we tend to kind of naturally gravitate to, to the hardware or at least the infrastructure as code level. But there's a lot we can do in software, and there's there's a lot more we're sharing about how how we can do that. That's right.
0: You know, in security, they talk about defense at layer, in layers, and I think the same thing applies in reliability. So previously, I was talking about, you know, having redundant infrastructure and redundant entire uh, workloads, right? But let's take it down to the software level. In the software level, you can implement, as you call it, bulkhead architectures. When you're talking about data, you could be partitioning your data so that... Uh, Think Errors in one data partition will not affect your other data. But uh, an interesting thing we do at AWS that isn't as well known in the industry is called cellular architectures. And we use it across those AWS services that are supporting AWS. We use it across those, especially like DynamoDB uses it, Kinesis uses it. And this is basically partitioning your service. So instead of scaling horizontally just by adding servers or adding compute, instead you have these sets of compute that represent an autonomous piece of the service that you can scale out horizontally so, if something bad happens in one of them, let's say you have a bad actor that you know sends too many requests or sends a poison pill, you'll only affect a fraction of your of your clients rather than affecting all your clients.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting technology. Now, one of, one of the interesting things and developments I think we've done with uh, with Well Architected is I think we can all agree there's only so many white papers that we can read, and whilst you can absorb a lot of information through reading, doing helps you learn a lot quicker. And, and I think the, the Well-Architected team's found a way to make it a bit more uh, hands-on. And
0: is my, this is my favorite thing, which is, yeah, the Well-Architected Labs. And if you use your favorite search engine and search for Well-Architected Labs or AWS Well-Architected Labs, you'll find them. But that is literally the URL, which is wellarchitectedlabs.com. So you'll find them there. We have labs across all five pillars, not, not just reliability. We're adding more all the time. And it's all open source. It's all on GitHub. So if you find an error or an issue or you have a request, just file an issue on our GitHub repo. And if you'd like to contribute either improvements to an existing lab or an entire new lab, we're open to that. Please feel free to, you know, clone and make a pull request. You know, you could talk to me about it beforehand, but we definitely are open to accepting those kinds of contributions. And and you mentioned the white papers, you know, reading the white paper can be a bit of a slog and it is the, you know, reliability white paper is 70 pages. And I can't believe it's 70 pages when I read it, but it's actually pretty approachable in that, as I said, I've broken it down to closely map the well-architected review. So you could just Dive right into an area you're interested in. You know, just if you're interested in change management, dive right in there. Failure management, dive right in there. If in the new section on software architectures, just dive right into the um, workload architecture section. So it doesn't have to be read end to end. You could you could you know jump around it if you like.
1: And what about some of the the Amazon best practices? You know, I think one of the things that, that I love is, is sharing stories of how we build at Amazon. And I, I don't mean that from the perspective that we know everything because we certainly don't. Um, but there's no compression algorithm for experience and there's a lot of experience to be drawn from. So how how can customers get more access to
0: that I, stuff. I love that too. I'm a little bit of an Amazon technology historian myself. I'm always like interviewing folks the, the, that have been here for 20 years and asking about the technologies we used to have. I recently gave a talk to a customer about you know Amazon and and our, our DevOps culture and our and our tendency to microservices. And I started with the story of Obidos, the big monolith that used to run all of Amazon. So it's a lot of fun for me. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot from Amazon practices. And um, if you read the white paper, uh, every section has a resources section which links to a set of resources. But a lot of the resources I call upon are reInvent talks, other AWS events, blogs that are about how Amazon does things. And specifically, I'm really happy that last reInvent, we introduced the Amazon Builders Library. And the Amazon Builders Library is literally a set of articles or blog posts on how we engineer, how we architect at Amazon. And so I in the V8 version, the one that released last July, I've added a lot of cross-links back to the builder's library. And a lot of those best practices in the reliability pillar are literally the things that you'll read about in the builder's library.
1: And what are some of the, the new things? You know, I, I think one of the topics that a lot of customers are sort of hearing about and some are, are trying to, to apply is... It's something called chaos engineering. So let's let's maybe touch on that. We've talked about it before on the podcast, but I think there's some new things around fault injection, et cetera, that you
0: started to introduce to some of the practices. Yeah, yeah. We always had a best practice about fault injection, and we changed the best practice to instead do chaos engineering, and we've expanded upon it in the white paper. And the difference is that fault injection is, is a piece of chaos engineering, but chaos engineering is a more uh, whole approach to it. And chaos engineering involves an experimentation culture of setting a hypothesis. If if this happens, if this server goes down, then I expect this to happen. And then you actually create the hypothesis, then you in- inject the fault to exercise the hypothesis, and then you evaluate, did the hypothesis, was it true or not? And based on that, you keep iteratively doing that until you arrive at the state that you want to be at, which is generally a resilient state. So, yeah, happy to expand upon that. We have um, uh, a talk from last reInvent, uh, a lab about that. Uh, so since it's, it's a lab you can't watch the recording, so that's good. But we do have a lab actually on the well-architected lab site. We actually have a lab uh, on chaos engineering where you can try it out yourself and and inject fault into your service. You
1: get to you get to you get to practice it. And one of the other things I think that's really interesting around resilience is we, we think a lot about the design part. But the monitoring, the run, the run piece is, is just as important. So so I think you, you expanded some of the thinking in that Yeah, term.
0: exactly. And, and monitoring is one of these uh, overlap areas. You know, the pillars don't stand alone. So monitoring is definitely a big deal in resiliency uh, and reliability, but it's also a big deal in our operational excellence pillar. So I worked a little bit with Brian Carlson, our lead over there on this. And what I did was I, I looked at what we had and said it was good, but it didn't cover the end-to-end life cycle of, of data, You know, from generation through aggregation, through processing, through analytics. So, you know, given that end-to-end, I want to make sure we had best practices for every stage of that, and now we do.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So, so if, I, if I'm building my system, do I just take your white paper and – just make sure I do everything? That,
0: does that make <laughs> yeah, me Yeah, well, you could. Um, <laughs> it depends on what your reliability goals are. Every Everything we have in there, we consider to be a best practice. And following all the best practices lets you approach maximum possible reliability. But we find that reliability pillar is is sometimes in tension with the other pillars. And and also, you don't always want to do everything, right? You might have other goals that other than reliability. I mean, you have reliability as a goal, but you might have cost as a goal, right? And these two things need to be balanced out and cost being another pillar of the well-architected network. So you can might imagine that if I set up the most reliable workload in the in the world, and it's got all of this redundant infrastructure, that's going to cost me more than if I rely on the control plane to maybe you know spin up the infrastructure for me. So you have to balance that out: reliability versus cost. Similarly, it's it's got tension with the performance uh, uh, pillar. That's another pillar of well-architected. Like if you add uh, redundant layers, each of those layers is going to need some kind of routing, some kind of load balancing, and with AWS using AWS services, the latency. Uh, introduced by those is very, very small. But if you really, really have high performance goals, then you might not want to introduce that extra latency. So there's always a tension there. And I would always say it comes back to your business goals.
1: Now, you've been involved in in many well-architected reviews over the years, both both the, the formal ones and the informal ones, et cetera. Can you give us some tips on, on how it should be used? Like, is this a, a tick and flick exercise or is it
0: is there more to it? Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. There's more to it. And, and just to remind folks out there, the Well-Architected Review, you can access the Well-Architected tool right there in your AWS console. And it's going to present you with the questions and best practices from every pillar that you could then assess your no you're not really assessing it's not an assessment <laughs> even for me it's hard to sometimes trip up on that <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing it's not an assessment is it it's a, it's a conversation it's a dialogue exactly that's what I like about it it's a conversation and, and the best well kicked reviews I've been in are about the conversation now I might have an engineer on the customer's team sit down and tick through the boxes on his or her own but then it's imperative that I sit in the room with that engineer their peer engineers the business the stakeholders and we talk through the entire exercise, and we'll find more often than not that a lot of those ticks that were ticked will untick, and then some other ones will be ticked because it's about: Are we really doing this? Oh, I thought we were. No, we're not. Or we're really doing it this way? Does that qualify? No. Should we be doing this? Yes or no? I mean, I love that part of the conversation because, as I said, not everybody needs necessarily to be doing every best practice. We do identify certain best practices as we call high risk items. We say everybody should be doing those, but I still will defer to a business and their business goals. And that's why I want to hear from the engineering teams, multiple, and from the business stakeholders about whether it's something they should or should not be doing. Well, architect reviews are really quite straightforward. It's, It's not assessment. It's about learning. You can read the white papers, read whatever artifacts are provided, measuring, that's what the review is, and improving. That's also taking the outcome of the review and deciding these are the best practices we'd like to implement next.
1: And I think that the dialogue part is, is so interesting. I know on my team we have uh, all the SA's are doing well-architected reviews with their customers. And there's a few reflections that come out of that. Firstly, one of the, the Amazon leadership principles is earn trust, earn trust of others. And, and it's a great earn trust moment because you're having a really honest and respectful dialogue with one another. But it actually allows the the multiple teams at a customer to earn trust with each other, because, like you say, they're having a conversation that maybe they haven't had formally or in a structured way that provides them with a safe place to have that conversation about, well, I thought you were doing something, but you're not, or we we we, we have a perception of what reliability looks like versus your perception, and those are two different things or there's gaps. It, it's amazing what comes out of it. and and I think almost without exception, customers when we do it with them say this is a fantastic. Thing and we're going to do that as from now on. Yeah,
0: it's totally, that's that's the learn part, right? And the learn and measure part. I remember being in a well-architected review and uh, it was just like I explained, like an engineer had gone through it beforehand and we came in then to like review it and change it. And uh, he had checked off the box saying that, yeah, our in our monitoring uh, when we have an alarm go off we have an automatic, we have an automated system for alerting us to take action. And the other engineer said in the room, yeah, that system is, it emails me. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said to the engineer they received the email well, it's kind of automated yeah, would you consider that to be a fully automated system he's like no okay so let's untick that box and see if we there's something else we want to do around
1: that it's definitely a great opportunity to learn and like you said one of the, the great things is that it's now available in the console as well and it's free so you can you can use it as much as you want and 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 again a pattern i've seen with, with our customers is they build it into their own software development life cycle. it's just part of what they do they'll they'll Keep maintaining and keep assessing. They're well architected to make sure they're they're ticking those boxes. Not from a just ticking the box perspective, but it's kind of like a prompt to help you think about it and, and understand where where you're making those design compromises. Yeah,
0: we've we've definitely seen that as you know customers building it into their development and launch processes. So yeah, I've definitely seen that. I've seen some fairly sophisticated systems where that that customers are built around well architected.
1: Fantastic. So thanks so much for coming on to the podcast and uh, sharing with us a little bit more about some of the updates that have taken place for the reliability. Oh, my
0: pleasure. Thanks. I appreciate being able to share this.
1: And if you want to learn more about WellArchitected, aws.amazon.com forward slash architecture forward slash well architected is the link. Or of course, you can jump straight into the console and it's right there. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place
0: to do that. And until next time, keep on building.